Aperture Priority Show Number 18, Color Workflow Part 2. Welcome to the Aperture Priority Podcast, an Avila Studios production where it's all about photography and fun. Now open up that aperture and let some creative light in. show number 18 of Aperture Priority. It's been a while. Uh, I'm here again with uh, Mr. Joe Engelbert. Well, hello, Tony. It's good to see you again. Oh, yes. Uh, it's been a while. I, I know we've been both on some adventures, and it, you had quite an adventure. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I had a disaster is <laughs> what I had. Uh, I don't know if you want to tell uh, folks about it. Oh, well, well, I'll tell you my sad story. Yeah, I, uh, I somehow managed to uh, drop a bag containing two camera bodies and both of them were damaged. But uh, my good friends down at Sammy's Photo there on Fairfax and Hollywood are able to repair them. So I'll be back in business shortly. Yeah, that's that's always uh, a fear. Uh, I've had, luckily, uh, on my camera bags, I have a bad habit. I'll, I'll pull something out, I'll unzip it and just put the flap back on oh, yeah. and not close it completely. And then you go grab it, but luckily my camera was in it and all the filters and everything just fall out of the bag and mm. then you got to put it back. So I've been guilty of some stuff like that myself, but yours was uh, equipment failure. Well, yeah, because I had it in a backpack and I, I slung it over one shoulder because I was only walking 20 feet and I let go of the strap to reach to get my tripod and the strap separated. And it slipped off my back and fell to the ground about, you know, five feet or whatever that is and landed on the unpadded side and it damaged the, the bodies. Yeah. Yeah. That's always, uh, that's always a fear. And to do it to two cameras, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, it's that's, just, it killed that, me. Yeah. So I thought we would uh, go back, uh, it, since it's been a while, uh, we left off with uh, the color management. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, number exactly. Number one. So number two is kind of our experiences. After you get your camera set up and your Photoshop set up on uh, what color space to work on, mm-hmm. and you have a great little idea as a workflow. Well, being having gone through this uh, discussion about the color management, I realized that I was. it, it helps me to have a little graphical representation of the workflow so that I could look at it and remind myself, well, you know, what is the best order, the best steps? So, yes, I do have that. And I'm going to make that available to anyone that wants it as a free download. It's just the, the suggested workflow. Yeah. And I'll get into the steps of that later on in the program. Yeah. And uh, I'll give my input here to, uh, I think, uh, where we last left off, I... I made a statement that I work in everything in Adobe RGB or, or Adobe 1998 RGB. Right. From camera and all the way through. And I use uh, mainly Bay Photo up in Northern California to mm-hmm. do my printing and they they will support that. I've been happy what I've gotten from them, from everything from metal prints to fine art papers. They have a nice variety. What I like ab- about them I let them uh, tweak it there if they need to. They probably have presets for, and they've, 
profiled all their papers. The reason I'm going to let them do that uh, for people uh, who don't know much about uh, paper, uh, especially like fiber paper, my background is printing. I, I, I worked at Jostens for many years. Uh, different papers, your gloss paper doesn't absorb, let's say, the ink. Uh, very porous matte paper, kind of sometimes some papers have real uh, nice feel to it. Some of them are cotton based. Mm -hmm. Well, you got to remember when that, especially when you're working with an inkjet printer, when that dot goes on that paper, it will spread because it's porous. It's mm -hmm. going to absorb. That's what we call in the printing industry, dot gain. So years ago when I worked at Albert Studios, uh, we had a, uh, a nice inkjet printer, but I would also go uh, to a film recorder. So for whatever output I had, I had a special curve created that I would apply to the images. For the contrast and brightness. Right. Mm -hmm. Because your porous papers are going to absorb more ink. So you need to go a little lighter. Mm -hmm. So it would look pretty much like what you saw on screen. So I've been looking around for many different printers and I don't, I'm not, I don't have an affiliation with them, but I've been happy what I've gotten from so far Bay photo, uh, white house and who else there's somebody else. I, I can't think of this. Some of the other ones are all owned by, I think Bay photo, but I'm looking for consistency. Right. And, uh, and we're going to get into some of the things to, to, to look out for. Exactly. So we that, that's a good recap of uh, what we talked about in the previous uh, podcast. And then moving forward, we'll talk about the specifics of uh, what it means to have the ICC or the printer profiles and where, how to install them and where to find them and how much of that you want to take on to yourself. But there are some uh, interesting rumors floating around and uh, about Nikon, and they got a new digital back that I find really interesting. Oh, yes. Uh I, when I saw that, I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. And years ago, somebody invented this thing where you would take the, the back of your 35 millimeter film camera and you'd attach this thing and it, it was like a digital back. It was a digital back. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Why do I like this? It, it always think of it as being modular. Right. Because your camera is going to do basically the same thing. Now, there are, there are pluses with these new digital cameras that the autofocusing and blah, blah, blah. But if you know your exposure and you can do things manually, I thought this is so cool. And the price is not bad. Right. So uh, there's a company called uh, I'm Back. And it's a universal fitting uh, back. You take your back off your film camera, whether it's uh, Olympus, the old Pentax, uh, Nikon, Canon, whatever you got. And then you replace it with this. It has some grips and then it has a, uh, what is that? A, a 16? I believe it's a 16 megapixel. Yes. Uh, uh, right there. Uh, sensor. Yeah. 16 megapixel. It takes 4K video. Uh, it's not the biggest, you know, it's a one, 2.3 CMOS sensor, uh, running about what? $300 on B and H or Adorama or, uh, probably Amazon as well. Mm -hmm. Interesting concept. 
but that's that's a that that's a rumor that actually is a reality. They just released it uh, this week or so, couple last couple weeks. In the uh, Nikon world, the rumors are uh, a a couple new Z cameras, a Z nine, mm-hmm. which is a professional uh, high end uh, full frame or a mirrorless uh, camera, and then the the there's uh, some side rumor about a Z eight. I'm not sure. I don't pay much attention to that one, but the Z9 sounds a little promising. If, if I kind of heard uh, some things, I think the Z9 is supposed to be the counter uh, to the D5, like with mm. all the bells and whistles. The Z8, I heard it's now, I've heard different things. Somebody said crop sensor. I don't think it would be a crop sensor, but I'm wondering if it's going to be more of the D850 in a uh, mirrorless body which the Z7 really isn't. It, it is a good camera. It does have basically the same sensor, if, I, if I'm not wrong, but mm-hmm. the bells and whistles, uh, which you give the, with the D850 uh, is not really in the, you know, of course we all know the two card slot thing. Yeah, the, uh, the two card slot and the autofocus uh, for continuous focus is, has always been a little challenging for the Nikons, the, the mirrorless. Yeah, they, they're kind of playing a little catch-up. They did have a firmware update. I heard it's better. Uh, but I think Sony still, they have the lead. Even everybody's touting it's better than Nike, uh, not Nike, uh, Canon's dual pixel mm-hmm. autofocus. Right. I'm not familiar with that. I, I know I have a, can, a friend in Canon that they do like it, especially I think it's for video. Mm, yes. They, uh, they don't have any cross- Contrast sensors are all phase detection, and and for moving objects, that's a little less uh, accurate. And another rumor is that uh, there's a a new D760 coming out. Yeah, and it's been around for a couple months now. And I think there's even going to uh, a replacement for the D850. Uh, that rumor I've heard recently, but that's another uh, year away or so, or I mean, later on this year, excuse me. They're talking about a D6 because uh, we're maybe out the end of the year because of, for the Olympics next year. So true. I'm wondering if that's going to be there. I'm just talking that. Yeah. Is that going to be the last big hurrah? Are they, is everybody going to go mirrorless well, all we, in? Well, you know, we talked about that a couple months ago, and that subject is still It's still around. Hot. In fact, we'll be talking about that in an episode coming up about yeah. what, what kind of camera you should buy. In the world of Canon, they got the EOS 90D is uh, going to be announced in a few weeks. And if uh, the specifications are as they're rumored, it'll be an APS-C sensor with a 31.2 megapixel capability. What's really gotten everyone kind of excited, though, is that uh, they're supposedly going to have an EF mount on this mirrorless camera. That seems like a long shot, but that's the rumor. So uh, that would be incredible. It's going to be very fast. 10 frames per second. So this mirrorless is, if this is true, if these specifications are true, then it's going to be a serious competitor. Yeah. Canon's kind of, uh, where they were in the forefront of technology, they've kind of have fallen off for some reason. And, and I could see some of these companies get too conservative. They don't want to compete against their 
own products, I suppose. Yeah, can, cannibalize their own uh, their own products. Because yeah. Canon makes high-end video cameras. So uh, I, I guess they don't want to make a mirrorless camera that would compete against their, uh, I forget what it's called, the C1 or the C2. It's mm -hmm. some kind of, mm -hmm. I had a friend who had one and uh, I saw the glass for it. It was a 50 millimeter and he told me it was almost a $5,000 lens. Mm -hmm. It's a Cine uh, oh, lens. Cine lens, yeah. So they kind of, I don't know, I, I when they came out with their R1, it's kind of like it got praise and then they kind of said, well, they came out with professional glass where Nikon didn't. Mm -hmm. And where Nikon is slowly, they did get the 20, the 24 to 70 2.8 out there. But it's going to be interesting. Uh, and we'll talk about more in the next show where the digital camera uh, world is right now. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a bit down. Mm -hmm. Right. Sony uh, just released the A7R4, and that's a, a a step up. So they're they're not resting on their laurels. In no. fact, uh, they've got four new camera models that they're going to they've registered, and I think they'll make an announcement uh, in the next uh, thirty days. Now the sixty-one megapixels is great, but something uh, to be aware of. What they say it's uh, medium format quality. Yeah, you get more megapixels, but that does not make it medium format. There's more that goes to that. It, it is the size of the sensor and the way the lenses are designed. Exactly. And so they claim that, yeah, you could say, yeah, it's 61 megapixels. You could crop. You get, yeah, but it's it's uh, that's like saying, uh, well, the current Fuji medium format cameras are as, as much as you can get from a 4 by 5 camera or something. No, that's a lot more real estate. All these, you know, there, there's more to it than just throwing more megapixels on a sensor. Right. The, and you know, the marketing world of cameras has done a really good job of convincing us that more, more megapixels is better. Yes. And we all salivate 60, mega, 70, oh my gosh, whatever the number is, pick a number. Pick a number, yes. And it's more better. But the problem is, it's a never-ending chase because... Yeah, okay, so you get a 60-megapixel camera. You're producing files that are approaching ginormous in uh, storage. Yep. You've got to upgrade your storage capacity on your computers. you got to have a bigger processor. It's, it yes. never ends. And the heat issue. Right. And so, you know, that is a show in itself right there. We need to do uh, how much megapixels is enough show, yeah. right? Right. Yeah, okay, stay tuned for that one. So. Question of the week. I had a question if you uh, in the mailbag there. And this is the question I was asked. And this kind of leads right into the topic if you're ready for that. Uh, and that is, so, Joe, I send my pictures off to these uh, consumer-type printers, photo printers like Costco, Walmart, uh, Walgreens, uh, fill in the blank. And I get to that part in the screen where it says, uh, uh, color automatic adjust the color automatic or turn that off what should i do and i'm thinking well that's not a simple answer in fact we're going to spend the rest of this show yes. answering that question yes well, what i could tell you what it kind of does it if you go into photoshop and do auto levels or i'm sorry the the, the question really is 
autocorrect. That's right. the phrase that is on the screen. Okay. It's on the screen. And it's and basically what it does, it it almost works like auto levels. It's gonna make your black blacker. It it, it adds this adjustment and Ew, I, I've run into issues where I used to forget to put that on or uncheck that. Uh-huh. And I would go down to Costco and pick up stuff and it was like, Ugh. and then I had to go back in, run it again, find where it used to be buried. Mm-hmm. It, I think now when, when you go through the website, it's, it's right before the end where you go. Uh, in Costco. Yeah. It's right before you say that you're ready to pay for it. Yeah. Pay for it. Yeah, exactly. At one time, it was a, a feature that you would do like at the beginning and then you would forget about it. Exactly. So what it what it does, uh, we ran the test images. I got an image that I had sent to uh, Bay Photo and they made a metal print. I saved it in Adobe, uh, the RGB mm-hmm. color profile. I then got that same image, sent it to Costco. Costco prints an sRGB, but I didn't change it. I left it in uh, sRGB. I converted it to sRGB, and then I ran it also with auto the autocorrect. Okay. And boy, when I got those three prints back, it was like, boy. <laughs> now you know why. Yes. Uh, so if you do print at Costco or... Uh, any of these other consumer type Walmart, Walgreens, what have you, and you want some decent control of your product, it's possible. You can get some pretty decent prints and the, and the price is quite a bit less, but it requires you to do a little bit more work. And that's the challenge. Yes. And one thing we're going to go with this is, uh, download the profiles and exactly. install them. And right. you could go on the web where they, They'll tell you how to do it, uh, depending on what computer system you have. Some do it automatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to Photoshop, and I believe it's, is it under view where you can yes. view the profile? Yes. Uh, do that. And this way, there's no surprises. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the results I got where I put the original, um, when I printed it on the metal from... Uh, Bay photo, I put them all side by side and there was a difference right. in them. Now the color space, because uh, the Adobe RGB is not support, it's sRGB. It's not always simple of just going into Photoshop and just switching it. Right. The colors will change uh, vaguely. Now, if you're doing scenics, we did this test, mm-hmm. it's not as noticeable. Noticeable. But when mm-hmm. working with the portrait and skin tones, oh yes, it's 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 very noticeable. You need to pay attention to the details. Yeah. So every Costco, and we're going to talk about Costco because I think they're the probably the biggest consumer yeah. uh, producer of photo prints. Every Costco has its own profile for that particular shop. So if you live in Atlanta, Georgia. You can download uh, your local Costco's printer profiles by going onto their website, the photography section of the Costco website, scroll down to the very bottom of the screen, and you'll see printer profiles. I believe it's Dry Creek Printing is the, is the uh, provider for these profiles. And they provide profiles for the specific printers that are in that one 
particular Costco. You mm-hmm. would install them, and that's in a in a Windows program. It's it's automatic. You just click on the downloaded file, and it installs them. And then you launch Photoshop, and those profiles are available to you. Yeah, well, that's the easy part. So now, yes. how do you use these things? Yes. So the workflow I was talking about at the beginning of the show is really important. And the the first step is that uh, you open your image in Lightroom. Or uh, if you're using Bridge, you would open the image in ACR, Adobe Camera Raw. And you're going to do some just... Two, two things. You're going to apply lens and perspective correction because everything else that you're going to correct, you're going to do in Photoshop uh, and later on. So in this particular scheme of workflow, you uh, apply the lens and perspective correction, and then you apply the color space. <clears throat> and then, and that's it. You don't do any adjustments. You don't do anything else to it. You open it as it is in uh, Photoshop. Then you apply the printer profile. The very first thing you do is apply the printer profile because that changes the contrast and the tonality of the image. And you can find those uh, profiles that you've installed under view, proof setup, and then custom. Mm-hmm. View, proof setup, and then custom. And when you hit that custom button, you'll find uh, your uh ICC of the list, and you would select Costco, and then the one that you installed, and then yeah, named, yeah. the uh, dialog window will will give you four choices for rendering intent and relative color metric or absolute color metric are almost always the ones you would choose. You want to you want to check off the black point compensation, and that will pretty much render the image as it will be printed. Mm-hmm. Now, Dry Creek, uh, the supplier for these. Uh, printer profiles goes into great detail and I'll provide a link to that uh, on the accompanying uh, blog that goes with this uh, particular podcast. So then you you would uh, put put that profile on there and you'll see immediately. Yes. Yes. Uh, It's better to get that shark (laughs) at the beginning versus when you do all your editing and adjustments and you uh, like, I, I'm guilty of doing, uh, I'll go to the end and, and, and I don't know how many times I've done this. <laughs> uh, I'll state as before, because I also do stuff for print. I mainly work in the Adobe 1998, mm-hmm. but every once in a while I'll get a job and I'm only going to send it locally. I'm not going to send it to, uh, let's say Bay photo. They need something really quick. So I'm going to send it to Costco. Well, guess what? I did everything in Adobe 1998 and I get to the end. It's like, oh, I need to go out to SRGP. So I yeah. apply it. And you talk about the, especially if, if I'm working on something with skin tones or like a portrait. Right. And yeah, it's uh, no bueno. That's all I could say. Yeah. Well, you don't have to be fluent in Spanish to understand that that's not really good. Yes. And I, I I don't want to just gloss over this workflow, but you know when you apply that color space, you you're looking for sRGB mm-hmm. if you're going to send it off to Costco, which is the, what we're talking about. So exactly. the color space would be sRGB. sRGB, correct. So you've downloaded the profiles, you've opened up an ACR or Lightroom, you applied the lens and perspective correction, you have applied the sRGB color space, 
You've opened the file in Photoshop. You've applied the printer profile. You've <clears throat> you've had your little moment of, uh, and then you reopen uh, Adobe Adobe Camera Raw under the filter menu, and you make your global adjustments, your contrast, your color, all that. And depending on your workflow, you may may be done. But whatever you after you're done, you close Ace, uh, Adobe Camera Raw. Apply your signature or watermark um, or make local adjustments with layers, adjustment layers, that kind of thing. But then you apply your, the very last thing is you apply your signature watermark. Um, I'm sorry, you do your local, then you resize mm -hmm. for the desired output. Where is it going? If it, is it going to print? Is it going to the web? Is it going to Costco? Is it going wherever? You would save that. In the right size. Yes. And even for web, I, I have noticed uh, my Adobe 1998 color space, when I save it as a JPEG, let's say I'm going to put it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. When I open Instagram, it does not look the same. Mm. And I'm probably, I'm only guessing they have some kind of profile. It's probably more in the sRGB. Right. But I did a little workaround. It's going to sound hokey. Hmm. Well, we're all about hokey. Go ahead. So I took that that big metal print I had, the one we took, uh, you were with me when uh, the sunset at Yosemite. Right. So beautiful. You boom, boom, boom. I'm patting myself on the back. It's, uh, <laughs> it's so beautiful. You put it on as your landscape uh, on your website. Right. Yeah. So what I did when I saved it as a, the Adobe 1980, I forget, you put it on the web and it looks, it's like a sRGB look. It just does not look the same. Mm -hmm. Same thing I, when I post it on Instagram. Well, for some reason, don't ask me how I came up with this idea. I take what I do now, I take a screenshot on a Mac. You hit uh, Command Shift 4. I'll, I'll, I'll think of the thing. I, I, I'm not in front of my Mac. And I get this, uh, uh, like a little, uh, the crosshairs. And I scroll over. It only takes a shot of what's in front of me. Okay, so you're doing the screen clipping. Yeah. Windows has that same function. Yes. Yeah. Now, I opened them in uh, preview on my Mac. I, I did a test. The screenshot was exactly what I wanted, how it's looking in front of me before I save it. And I'm like, hmm. And it automatically saves it as a PNG. I see. So what I do, so then I'll just resize it. And that's what I post. Oh, well. And the color, it keeps the color of how I have it in Photoshop. And now I have, I can't remember if I saved it as a PNG straight out of Photoshop. But I've noticed when I save it as a JPEG, the color will shift a little bit. And... And so, and which drives me crazy because I know um, if you're an Apple iPhone user, Apple's using the Pro Photo color space, color space now on their thing. But I don't know if all apps are, uh, I can say, are optimized for that. Right. I don't think because that's kind of a big step. Yeah. And Pro Photo, which Pro Photo is like, whew, that's your. Uh, it has colors in the gamut that the human eye cannot Probably see. Cannot see, and so what I do now on certain things in color, that's how I keep. Because again, I work in that Adobe RGB, 
So when I open it on the web or on Instagram now, it retains the color that I'm working on because when I print, because uh, I use Bay Photo, and they, uh, of course, they use the Adobe 1998 uh, I think they work with a lot of the basic, probably the sRGB in that one. And it's nice when you get something from print and you see it on your screen, but when you go to the web, it's like, eh, eh. yeah. And then uh, for me to go in and try to tweak it to make it look in sRGB, I just, <laughs> I did the lazy man thing. I, yeah. I just did a screenshot and hey, it, it worked. It forced it to work. I see. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's where you were at that decision is that after you made your, your spot adjustments with your adjustment layers, you want to save it as a PSD. Mm-hmm. And then that PSD is never changed. That's your basic uh, file you keep forever. And then you go in there and uh, you resize it for your desired output. Output. You put you apply your signature or watermark, and then you save uh, your image uh, for for each uh, desired destination. Yeah. You know? And believe it or not, this also applies, and I found. Uh, this out, uh, I have a black and white image that I'm going to send to uh, Whitewall to print for me. Mm-hmm. They use a different black and white uh, profile. It's not the stock one. I see. So I went in and I was like, oh no, here I go again. So I applied their profile. I viewed it. It didn't really change everything. And I followed the instructions. I saved the file, and I, that's what I'm going to use to print when I when I send it to them. But this also works, believe it or not, for black and white. If you're going to save it as a true black and white, not a black and white saved in 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 RGB, right? So that you had an interesting experience in Los Angeles the other day. It was talking about the true, mm-hmm. and that's what you're talking about. Yes, uh, I went with a friend of mine, uh, Felix. We, he's in Mongolia right now, so uh, he does charity work uh, for dentistry. Mm-hmm. So he had to send all his stuff over there. So I was in downtown LA. Uh, fun. Uh, and uh, we, we went to Sammy's, and while he was getting his D850s cleaned and all that good stuff, I went upstairs and I've never been to the downtown Sammy's. Mm-hmm. I've always, I've been to the one, the old one on Pasadena and I used to go to the one at Santa Barbara, which unfortunately closed. Right. So I went to the one, and here I am in downtown LA and they were like, and I go down there, it's pretty big. And uh, they said something, second floor, that's where we went to, they went to go check on his cameras. Mm-hmm. So I figured, well, there must be somewhere else up here where they got more cameras. And they go, no. Go to floor number three. Right. So when I went up there, I ran into, I can't, I wish I remembered her name. She was really nice. Uh, she works, uh, she handles the, the Canon printers and uh, they print a lot of the uh, the Leica masters. She, she was telling me and you see them displayed on the wall. And we started talking about printing mm-hmm. and uh, the issues that I had in the past when you use an inkjet to try to print black and white over time because using colors to print you would get a cast Mm -hmm. either to the blue the magenta or even the green Mm -hmm. i've seen that yes well she was telling me and i can't remember what canon models they use uh a black and some uh grays Mm -hmm. 
And she told me that I can't remember what model that even puts a protective coating on top of its printing. And she told me to go check out. Uh, I had to go back downstairs to go up the stairs to another part of the second floor. But by then it was the end of the day. And she told me to go over there and ask questions uh, with, the, you know, talk to them, on, which I was going to ask how do I save? And I would probably come up uh, with even what uh, grayscale profile that probably needs to be saved too. Well, that's the point. These profiles are highly specific. They are specific to a printer and a type of paper. Mm -hmm. So uh, Costco basically has uh, simplified it for us. They have two kinds of paper. Yes. And they have two different printers. So there is a total of four profiles that you would download from the typical Costco. Yes. And so that gives you complete control of your workflow. Now these pro labs, they went in and oh. created profiles for every printer, every piece of paper, which yeah. you could be looking at 20, 30, 40, 50 profiles. Oh, easily. Yes. And they do a, what amounts to a pre-press yes. where you send them the file and they do all that work for you. The, the, you know, whatever your output is, it's a art poster and it's this size. And so they, they say, okay, you're going to print that image on this printer with that paper. Here's the profile. We're going to do the work to make right. your image look like that. Right. Like the one you sent us using our profile. So they do all the work. Yes. And we had the luxury of going into and we barged in. And yeah, we, we walked in the back door. <laughs> But what I liked about, uh, I can't remember, what was that? Metal and paper? It was one of those. I think we could say the name and not get them in trouble. Yeah. But they were nice to show and, and talk to us on what they did. And up front, they had this table with, I'm going to guess, 20 different types of prints on pearl, oh, metal, yeah. well, I think all this. They had canvas, metal, and then they probably had 20 types of right. paper, maybe more, maybe like 30 or so. It was a great shot probably here along, probably close to the central coast of this ocean scene. Mm -hmm. And what got me, it was th that image was precisely the same color on every one of those prints. And that is... Uh, that's what they do, exactly. And that's where you would go if you want pro work. I would say, well, that's, you may, you're going to pay for it, but right. that's something to, to consider. So you have three choices, really. <clears throat> you, you, you can use the autocorrect and live with the results and forget about profiles and forget about it. And, and that's the most economical, easy way to do it. Go to Costco, hit autocorrect, and live with the results. The second one is that you take control of the profiles and then you edit to those profiles and you get a, a decent product for a, a, a little, not an expensive price. But you have to do the you have to do the color profiling. Mm -hmm. The third thing is to send your file off to a professional lab like Bay Photo, where they do all the heavy lifting of the profile or adjusting your image to look like that. Right, and I like that because I I print. Uh, I have a gallery show coming up, so I may print on canvas. Others on, uh, I really like this, these fine art papers because of the texture. So I want my images to have that consistency. Mm -hmm. And that's why you would use somebody like a Bay Photo. There's probably other ones out there. I'm just 
I've been using them for, I don't know, five or six years now. Miller's is a famous Miller's one. Miller's is and another they're all, one. They're, they're all virtually the same because they provide right. that pre-press or the... Exactly. And that's why you would send... And to me, I'm looking for consistency uh, because I, what if I have... And this happened last uh, November. It was an easy fix. Uh, one of my pieces that was up in uh, Sorensen's up in Fresno... Uh, a lady from the coast, she wanted it in 11 by 14. She didn't want the 16 by 24. So I had to resize that down and print. Well, it was going on the same canvas and it was the same way. I could put both of them side by side. There were true black and white prints and so forth. But what if she wanted on a fine art paper? Right. Well, you want that image to have those consistent tones no matter what media you're using on. Right. And she's in, in, you're selling a fine art print. So make sure it's printed. Right. Right. So when you get it, there's no surprises like, Oh my God, you know, I got to send this back. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the, uh, the beauty of the professional labs. You pay for it. They're you expensive for it, but yeah. it's, it's really, you get professional results. There, there, I think, I know that was a lot to swallow, but... Uh, so the answer is, what What was the question? Oh, yeah. Should I check autocorrect? The answer yeah. is maybe. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> it it all comes down to what do you want? You want something quick and dirty that's going to look decent? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. If you're going to do this, and, and if, if printing, if your output is for printing, do your homework, and then you're, you won't get these surprises. Yes. Like the, even though we started first uh, about calibrating the monitor, I, I, I ran into a YouTube video where, the, where a photographer was complaining about when he calibrated his monitor. He didn't like it because when he would view his pictures online, his, his monitor was set up differently. He, he complained about that. So he put it back to the default setting. Well, you got to remember if your output if, is going to be for print, you do want to see how, how it's going to look like printed. It's easy to tweak your monitors that do the super contrast. And when you go on the web, everything looks good or your videos look good. On your monitor. On your monitor. does That does not mean it's going to uh, also look good on somebody else's or if you send out to print. So you kind of want to have things look a consistency. Again, if, if you're going to be selling prints for $500, well, make sure you go to a professional yeah, exactly just doing a picture of the family for the holidays okay i don't correct works good uh, christmas cards yeah, yeah yeah that works just fine well y- you'll never ever have a print come back and stick it up against your monitor and say wow i'm impressed with the brightness of that paper no that monitor will always be yes very much brighter so that's the first thing you need to is to realize is that that print will never be as bright as the is the monitor. So look look for, if you're judging the quality of the print, look for the details in the blacks or the darks and the details in the highlights. Yes. If you can see detail in both those areas, you have a well-exposed, good print on paper. Yes. Yes. And once, once you learn the profile, so it's, it's not that bad. It can be intimidating, but a good friend of mine, Brandon, ran into this problem and He's using it on his Canon printer and he's getting consistent results. And that's what you want. Exactly. Okay. Great conversation. So, Joe, where can we find you? 
Well, uh, my website, www.brightangelimages.com, and I want to send a shout-out to a new photographer that's joined the group and showing her work on the gallery there, and that's Pauline. Pauline, So photography by Pauline. She does uh, really great images with, uh, she loves horses. Horses. So if you're into the equine uh, scene, check out her work on uh, brightangelimages.com. You can reach me at brightangelimages uh, at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram with brightangel underscore images at Instagram. Great. And me, you could find me at the studios.com. Uh, I've been updating the site finally. I finally got my uh, brain around uh, WordPress again. Uh, t- the Tony Avila 64 on Instagram. And the Aperture Priority podcast page on Facebook, which I need to give it more love. But this is a tough part of the year for me because when I'm done with the podcast, I got to get taxes ready for the state of California. <laughs> um, good luck on that. <laughs> yeah. And as of course, so I'll leave off to open up that aperture and let some of that creative light in. Aperture Priority is an Avila Studios production. For more information on what Avila Studios has to offer, please visit us on the World Wide Web at avilastudios.com.